welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey, and we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow. How are you growing this week? Well, now that I feel like we did our boundaries episode, I've been thinking a little more about like where I have boundaries, where I could maybe have better boundaries, and I mm-hmm. definitely identified a place that I'm actively working on and probably not the best at yet. Ooh, tell us. Okay, so I've phrased these. They're, they're similar boundaries, but like, and definitely related, but not mm-hmm. exactly the same. Okay. So the first one is, I'm unavailable for guessing other people's moods or feelings. Ooh, I yeah. love the phrasing of that. I feel like I tend to fall into the habit of like, emotionally taking on other people's stuff. So this is mm-hmm. my attempt at not doing that. <laughs> yeah. And like, we're not mind readers. Right. So um, people have to speak up. Yeah. And also, I feel like it's totally reasonable for us to expect other adults to like speak up. Like if there is mm-hmm. a problem, I expect you to come to me with that problem. Totally. And then the other one is I'm not responsible for managing people's feelings. Mm. Because, okay. yeah, I, I think it's slightly related to that empath thing, too, because I think when somebody else is upset, it feels like I need to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's not actually my job, especially if I didn't cause the problem, you know? Right. Just because somebody's having like an emotional reaction to something, that doesn't mean that it's on you to manage it. Right. And if, you know, if they want to talk about it, like I'm totally available for that, but I need the communication piece to be there and I need to not take responsibility for it. Right. So Mm. that's going to be a work in progress because I feel like that's something that I really struggle with. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The the managing or not managing people's emotions, like it's making my hands sweat a little bit because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like when, especially it happens to me sometimes if Seb is upset, like I feel mm-hmm. like I'm like, I feel like it's my job to fix it. And that's totally. not true when he never expects me to. Right. Especially because it's not usually, he's not usually mad at me. It's like he's had a bad day or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But it's hard to just sit there and be like, you're having a bad day and I can't fix it. Yeah. And and, and more than I can, it's like not on me to do that. Yeah, right. I can just let you have a bad day and like that sucks and I love you and I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. So working on that. Yeah. But the other one that I wanted to talk about is I have been testing the idea. You know, I don't love like goal setting Mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings about like habits and consistency. Yes. But I've been trying out this thing. I guess it's called a habit tracker, but it's like just something that I do in my notebook. Okay. Where I like have written out categories of things that are important to me to be like semi routine at. So things like taking my vitamins. I don't, obviously, like, would it be great if I took them every day? Yes. Is that realistic for me? To remember. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like instead of beating myself up for not Mm -hmm. taking them every day, I'm just tracking how often I take them so that I can make sure I'm staying like pretty regular. Sure. When it comes to taking your vitamins every day, do you like set an alarm on your phone? Do you like set any type of reminder or you're just like, I'm either going to remember it from my brain or not? No, I usually take them like almost immediately upon waking up. But if Mm -hmm. I miss that window, that's like the issue. And I also have stuff out to take at night. And so it's just like, I could set a reminder, but I know myself. So what would happen is I would be in the middle of doing something and I would turn it off and then I would forget anyways. So like the habit tracker actually helps with the reminder more than anything, because I try at the end of the day to like go through and mark what I've done. So if I haven't done something Mm -hmm. then I'm like, Oh, let me go do that real quick. If I have, you know, the startup energy or whatever. Yeah, totally. So, and it try, I'm tracking things like I have a section on here for backlog work. So like I have a list of all the things in our house that like I really want to do, but like haven't made time to do. And so now Mm -hmm. I'm prioritizing getting those things done so that I can mark it off on my, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Habit tracker, which it's like for me, when I make lists, it motivates me to do the things on the list because I want to cross them off. Like I get satisfaction from 
finishing a task and crossing it off my list. I completely agree. And the habit tracker basically is the same principle, except for if I work on a task and don't finish it, I still get the satisfaction of like marking that I worked on it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like not just tracking the habit, but also like your progress towards yeah. the the habit or right. the goal or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it's it's also been really interesting because at a glance I can see what things I'm like very consistently doing mm-hmm. and the areas where I'm like maybe struggling and I can make adjustments. Can you tell us some of the areas you're struggling and some of the ones that you're getting pretty solid at? Yeah. Um, I would say that my, I have like nighttime vitamins that I take mm-hmm. and those I definitely struggle with. And I know that it's because one of them is magnesium and you have to like make the drink. And I also don't love the taste of the drink. It's like the whole no. experience is kind of unpleasant. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot I can do about that besides like just suck it up and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that I've like been very consistent at, which I'm not really that surprised about, but I just have a, a line item for life stuff. So like any cleaning or like chores or stuff that just needs to get done, then mm-hmm. I count that as like, hey, I did something productive today, basically. Yeah. Um. So I have every square fil- filled in, which means that yeah. I didn't have a lazy day. So that's great. Wow. 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 Yeah. And ugh, y'all, she's making some really fun choices about this nursery. And I cannot wait to see it all together. I have never in my life had the creative block issues that I have had with this project. <laughs> but yeah, we narrowed down colors. So that's step one. Do you think that the block is because you're kind of like creating a space for this being that you don't know yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I think that it is mostly that... I had a lot of ideas that I liked, nothing that I loved, and also a lot of the ideas that I really liked, Seb was not on board with. So Mm. that was like just a creative difference. And I truly believe in most cases that there is like a compromise that can be reached that will Mm -hmm. satisfy both parties. It's I don't feel like one person has to capitulate to the other. So I literally went through 11 samples of paint, like 11 colors, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it took... Picking a color and like lightening that color up to to find a perfect situation, but it worked out. So green ceiling, blue walls, which I know I sounds crazy, but I can't wait. They're both like uh, also another thing that I was like a little bit struggling with, especially with the samples is like every blue that I picked was way more muted than I'm used to using like Mm -hmm. i'm a pretty bright color person and the blue that we picked is like a dustier blue and then the green on the ceiling is like slightly lighter than olive Mm -hmm. um so that it's just like a color palette that i'm less comfortable with yeah i'm stretching myself i love it i'm excited do you have a rug in there yet i don't i have two rugs that i might use and honestly they're both small on the smaller side. So I might end up layering them. Hmm. So we'll see. I really, truly, I have a strong idea about like what I want the crib to look like. Mm-hmm. I have a strong idea about what I want the dresser to look like, but I don't know what color we're painting the dresser. And that's kind of it. Okay. So we'll see. It's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. She's going to be... Have we even talked about... I don't even know that it, we've said what the gender is on here. I'm having a are girl. You, are you about to drop it right now? Okay. Yeah. Um, having a girl and which maybe people think that a blue and green nursery with a girl is weird, but a lot of the art I think is going to be like multicolored. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she'll probably have opinions at some point anyway. So I'll end up redoing things. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Did you grow up in a house where you got to choose what like color you wanted your room to be painted and what the decor was going to look like? Eventually, I got input on wall color, yes, um, which I think it was probably a color that my mom hated that was like aqua. It was like a pretty bright blue, which mm-hmm. totally tracks for the way that I feel to this day. Like I'm a big blue paint person mm-hmm. um, and my mom is not. So 
That's interesting. Uh, but I feel like other decor, like she kind of held on to, like it was, it was leaning towards like kids or teen like style, but it wasn't, I wasn't allowed to like put up a bunch of posters and like whatever, which I think is reasonable. I feel like I'll kind of take that route too. Like you can have some creative input, but like at the end of the day, this is our house and like, I don't want you to ruin the walls. Right. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm barely growing, I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) It happens to the best of us. Yeah. I'm just like in summer mode. I'm growing through rest. I will say I am trying something new. Okay. Which is roller skating. Oh, yes. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) So I... (laughs) have been deep diving on roller skate talk. Um, for those of you over the age of 40, that's TikTok. Um, that's for our moms. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I don't even know. I was just watching a lot of videos and I just was like, man, that looks like so much fun. I want to learn how to do that. And so I just ordered some roller skates. I'm so excited. <laughs> I also have roller skates and I think they're fun. I haven't roller skated probably at all this year, but I had COVID well, and I got pregnant. So, so yeah. honestly, like if I didn't feel like Seb would probably have a panic attack, I would probably try roller skating while pregnant, but mm-hmm. I'm not trying to stress them out. So, um, yeah, it's super fun. I would say it's harder for me because we don't have a really flat area near mm-hmm. us for me to skate in, but it's really fun. I'm so happy for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I can't wait for a future like roller skating photo shoot that we might do like sometime next year. I think that's great. What color are yours? They're pink. And mine are red. It's like perfect. It's like they're they're the lighthearted roller wow. skates. <laughs> On brand. <laughs> it really is. I love it. I feel like that's growth. Yeah. That's, new hobbies are growth. For sure. No, yeah. And I'm like pumped about it. So I'll I'll keep you posted on how many bruises I get from falling. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So today we are talking about quitting, which is <laughs> I wish y'all could see the smile she has on her face right now. I have a special relationship with quitting. Um mm-hmm. because of my mostly yeah, mostly my history with like career. Mm-hmm. But also, I've recently started listening to this podcast called Quitted with Emily McDowell and Holly Whitaker. And I love it so much because they're basically talking about and also like interviewing people about the concept of quitting things, not necessarily that are bad for you, like you know, your relationship with alcohol or whatever, things like Mm -hmm. you would be like, oh, you you should definitely quit that. Yeah. But quitting things that most people would say are good for you or like beneficial or positive. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a really cool concept. And the podcast has been really awesome. Yeah, I've listened to a few episodes um, that you recommended. And it's really interesting. And it's really helped me think about quitting in like a more macro way, because I feel like Normally, when I think about quitting something, I think about it only in terms of like a job or a hobby or something like that. But there is such a wide range of different things that you can quit. Yeah, that's exactly right. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the podcast, I would recommend the episode. I think it's from May 26, 2022. It's um, an update on Emily McDowell's career. It really, I feel like, mirrors my experience quitting. Mm-hmm. And I really like that they are kind of talking about quitting while they're still in the middle of, like, quitting and figuring out what's next, yeah. which I think is the hard part of quitting, personally. Totally. Yeah, when you don't have your next 10 steps lined up after right. that, then what? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so is there anything that you have quit? I mean, yeah, I've quit some jobs In the past, I have quit some sports that I like played when I was younger. I've quit several musical instruments. (laughs) I've quit relationships. 
and probably lots of other things, but I think those are definitely the ones that come to mind. And I remember very vividly my first job was at a Barnes and Noble cafe and I had gotten the job in the summer in, I think it was after my sophomore year of high school and worked in the summer and it was great. And then decided that I wanted to keep working during the school year. And I was also playing volleyball in the fall. So I was going to school. Volleyball was very time consuming. We practiced like three hours or three and a half hours Monday through Friday. And then also practiced on Saturdays from nine to 12. And so what ended up happening is I could only work on the weekends. And so I would go to volleyball from nine to 12. And then I would have a shift from like two to 10 Mm -hmm. or two to 11. And then I would work on Sundays a lot. And so it was just like becoming like way too much, but the, I had so much anxiety about quitting and like talked to my mom about it a lot. And she told me that I could blame her. (laughs) What a great mom. (laughs) She was like, you know, just tell him that I'm making you quit. And you know, all this stuff. I never went and collected my last paycheck because I know. Because I was so terrified about like ever walking in there after I had quit. Wow. Um, Why were you so nervous to quit? Oh, man. I don't know. I think I thought that I was going to be disappointing them or that I didn't have like a good enough reason to be quitting. Even though when I link back of it now, I'm like, I was like a 16 year old that like they didn't care. was basically working a full-time job (laughs) elsewhere. So (laughs) like kids in when they get jobs like they come and go all the time like yeah. it's not it's not like they probably expected that I was going to work there forever but I had so much anxiety about quitting yeah that job in particular yeah um, i've had that same experience quitting multiple jobs before for sure yeah what else have you quit besides jobs i mean i've quit all of the same things that you quit i feel like in general mm-hmm. but i mean I remember quitting my first long-term job, which is where I met a lot of the friends that we have mutual friends. Mm-hmm. I remember being so nervous to quit that because it was one of those situations where like, they were like, we're a family, which now we know is not healthy. <laughs> um, and they also did a pretty good job making me feel like important and like the work that I was doing really mattered. Mm-hmm. Which, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know it was true. <laughs> right. But it felt like a big deal for me to leave. Like, it felt like I was going to be letting people down. Yeah. Um, so that was really hard. And I actually remember I, like, went to tell – I told my boss. She was sad but, like, also very supportive. Yeah. And told a couple of other people. And I went to tell the CEO. And she was so unfazed. And I was like, I don't know if you're – genuinely just you just don't care but mm-hmm. i feel very invalidated <laughs> that you seem to not care right that you're not, and also like, trying to get me to stay or like yeah. really saying anything about how you're gonna be sad right she was just like oh, okay mm. and i yeah i don't i really don't know what the deal was with that but it made me that and several other things involved in that quitting situation made me realize that i was like really not as important as they had made me feel to begin with mm. so That was like maybe step one of me realizing that jobs are not your life. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's tough. So I actually quit one more job in between that job and then the one that I quit to quit my career. But Mm -hmm. I feel like I have, I obviously am here to tell that story. So yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think the disclaimer here, and this is very important to me that I recognize this is like, there is such privilege in being able to quit a career. Like that mm-hmm. is, I recognize how lucky I was to be in the situation where I was able to just be like, I've worked for however many years at this and I'm just going to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of specifically financial privilege. Also, I'm not recommending that people do the things that I did because I don't think that in most cases it's like, you know, the best choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just the best choice for me. Like I have no yeah. regrets on how I did it, but I'm not advocating for everybody to just go out and quit their jobs. So there's that too. But back in 2017, I started learning about spirituality, law of attraction, concepts that I had never heard of before. Mm -hmm. And I was immediately very drawn to them and like started kind of like deep diving into a bunch of things. 
And in the midst of that, it's actually funny that we just did our bittersweet episode because we talked at the end about longing and like what you long for. And I feel Mm -hmm. like the real beginning of this quitting journey was that I just I felt like I had worked hard at a career that I really thought that I wanted. And I still just felt like I was longing for more. I didn't know what more was, but I just was like, there's got to be more than this. Um, It can't just be that, yeah, you're going to go to work and work like 60 to 80 hours a week and be on edge. And like, that's the life. Yeah. And it wasn't even that because I when the last job that I worked, I was working from home at a company that was like, nice to work for. I wasn't working the 80 hour week that I had been. So like, that Mm -hmm. was a big improvement. But I still just felt like I should be happy. And I'm just not satisfied. I'm just not satisfied doing this. And I want to be satisfied. And so Seb and I talked about it at length. And he was basically like, I think I was taking the, and this has been something I've struggled with for maybe my whole life. I am always the kind of person that I want to figure it out, like, quote, unquote, figure Mm -hmm. it out. And like, sometimes you just like, that's not how it works. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like trying to figure out what to do next for my career. And one day Seb was like, you know, you don't actually have to work, right? Like, yeah. We have plenty of savings. I have a good job. There's no actual reason you have to work. And I, it literally, that thought (laughs) never even crossed my mind because I, my, at that point, my identity was very still wrapped up in the job that I did. Yeah. And And I think like our default setting is just to like keep going and keep trying. And like if you try hard enough, you can work it out. And being persistent is such a value. And, that's yeah. like how we operate most and of the time. And you never make a move without knowing what your next move is, you know? Like you don't you just yeah. don't do something without knowing what you're going to do next. Completely. Um, and it was funny cuz I feel like at that point this is something that I've since learned too, but at that point I was like polling all these different people. I was like emailing a bunch of people I'd worked with about different job like ca- maybe career paths that they thought that I might work well in. Mm. I was looking so far outside of myself for the answer, and that wasn't helping anything because it was just like a bunch of extra voices. So yeah, at the end of the day, I did decide to quit. I didn't do it immediately. I um, It was right around the time we got married, so I waited a little while after we had been married to actually put my notice in. And first of all, telling them that I was quitting was hard because I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. So I just gave them like one of the things that I might do. Mm. Yeah. It was like a reason. Yeah. If they, did they say like, Oh, what are you doing next? Cause I'm, I'm assuming that they're like, Oh, you're quitting and going to another job. Yeah. They did ask. And I told them that I like one of the business ideas that I had, I was, I told them I was doing and it actually did. It worked out so nicely because right as I put in my notice, I found out that they had done some shady things behind my back and like they were going to put this guy from a different department above me, even though when I came onto the company, they kind of had loosely promised me that if I did a good job, I would get moved into that role. So, and it was like a real bro atmosphere. And it was like, you know, I don't know. I I hate to say this because they're all really nice guys, but like, it was a guy who didn't know what he was doing, who just happened to be like really good friends with the Mm C-suite. He worked in another part of the company and did a good job at what he was doing, but they like moved into this position. And so my last two weeks were like, me training him on how to work in product. And I'm like, probably you don't want a director of product who's never worked in product before. But you know, going to be a director. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. So that was like, very, to me, very problematic from like, just a lot of a lot of yes, a lot of (laughs) ways that that was problematic. Um, And that was to me also a sign that I was doing the right thing. I was like, this would have been a this would have turned into a bad situation for me if I had stayed anyways. So Mm kind of good that I'm getting out at this point. But yeah, so telling them was really scary. Also, I didn't end up doing the thing that I told them I was going to do. So that was like a little bit of a shame thing for me, like Mm -hmm. not knowing what I wanted to do, not sticking to the thing I said I was going to do. Like, it was a really weird time. And I also had a thing you said you were going to do. I had this idea and I actually still really like this idea. I wanted to outfit a school bus and like turn it into retail space where you could like drive the bus (gasps) around and like sell things. That's so cute. Yeah. Pretty cute idea. But 
that was just like one idea that I had that I might do. I knew I was going to take some time off. So like I wasn't actually committed to anything in my brain. But the other thing that was really hard was telling people in my life that I was quitting. Because Mm -hmm. how do you go to somebody that loves you and say, I'm quitting and I don't know what I'm going to do next? Because they're like, I'm afraid for you. Like, I feel like that's most people's reaction. Like, (laughs) I'm worried about you. Right. Like, are you okay? Also, they're probably, I would imagine, was there a lot of projecting happening? I was so worried about it. And everybody was like, I could tell that they weren't necessarily on board, but nobody actually said anything negative, which was great. Like, that's lovely. Yeah. Super appreciative of everybody who did not tell me I was crazy because I think that if somebody had said it, it would have been really devastating. And yeah, so I knew that people were having some feelings about it. But yeah, nobody actually said anything. And my mom was very supportive, which I really appreciate because Mm -hmm. I feel like of everybody, she kind of like understood me a little bit better. It's it's also really hard to explain. Like, I'm quitting because I don't know what I want to do. So I'm just going to quit, you know? Yeah, totally. I want to do something else. I would like to work for myself, but I don't know what to do yet. Yeah, Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. How was that first like month for you? I think, I mean, honestly, looking back on it, I feel like it was mostly consumed with like telling people that I no longer had a job anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big worry on my brain. It was also summer. So like, I was kind of like, oh, I'll take some time off to like have fun and like go to the lake yeah. or whatever. So that was great. I did a lot of projects, but also I found that, and this was maybe should have been a little bit more indicative to me than it was. But I found that I ended up like just sitting so much like I was just neat. My body just needed to rest. Yeah. Um. So I spent a lot of time just like hanging out, listening to podcasts, things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The other thing about that time period was I had this like idea in my head that once I got like out of corporate and like got you know, still and was able to meditate and like do all these things that I would, again, quote unquote, figure out like my life purpose. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to figure it out. And then when I figure it out, I'm going to be able to just like run on it full force. Like it's going to be really great. Spoiler alert. That's not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's how it works for everybody. Some people it does. Um, Some people just know what they are like here on the planet to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I totally just assumed that it would take like a couple weeks or a couple months. And then I would just like have this great idea and like do that. And that Mm -hmm. never happened. So (laughs) by the fall, I was like getting itchy about not doing anything. So I had really wanted to start a blog for a a long time, like years. I tried to start it at one point and it just like didn't ever take off and or like get up and running at all. Like I never actually made the blog. Mm -hmm. So then I decided to go back to that idea. And I did start a blog. And I did it for, I don't know, a little over a year, maybe. Yeah. And I was really consistent, which, you know, I'm not normally that consistent. I was an avid reader of your blog. I I really enjoyed it for that. I appreciate that. I feel like it was actually a really great creative exercise, truly. It helped me fully understand that expressing myself in words is, like, very, very helpful for me as, like, a process. Mm -hmm. I just don't have – the way that social media works, I'm just – that's not who I am. I'm not built to, like, keep up in that type of environment. Mm -hmm. I don't like taking pictures. I'm not good at editing. Like, the photography piece of it was not my jam either. So, between – I don't even think I realized that while I was doing it. I just was like trying really hard to like be consistent to make it work. But I think a little over a year had gone by and I was like, I'm not like, this is not bringing me any joy. It's not bringing me any value. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that people say that you're supposed to keep going and like persevere. Mm-hmm. But like, again, this feels like the wrong choice. Like sticking with this doesn't feel like a good idea. Yeah. And so that was my second big quit. And actually, I think the second time was harder than the first, honestly. Why do you think? Because I think that I had put, again, so much pressure on getting out of that job and like figuring things out. And the blog was like supposed to be the way to figure that out. And like, Mm -hmm. 
I was just putting a lot of my work on it being successful. Yeah. And not only was it not, you know, quote unquote successful, but I also didn't enjoy it and didn't want to keep doing it. Yeah. And the other thing was at that point, I knew that quitting, I would, I knew that time that quitting, I would not have anything to do. I knew that I, I didn't have another idea and another idea might not come to me. So I was like, oh boy, this feels like even more of a cliff than the first time. Yeah. Mostly because I just knew better, I think. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was less concerned about trying to find a job, which was good, I think, for my mentality. Mm-hmm. But also, that was like, that led directly into my issues with vitamin B and D deficiency and insomnia and my cortisol issues. Yeah. I pretty quickly after that realized that I was having health problems like sneaky health problems that weren't like, hey, you should fix this. So once I found those out too, that was like, it was wonderful because I didn't realize how big of, they snuck up on me such that I didn't realize they were such a a big problem. So like the brain fog, fatigue, all of those things were like really impacting me. And I didn't really understand how much, like the extent to which they were impacting me. Mm -hmm. But also it was like, okay, well, I have these issues and my body is going to take months, if not years to actually recover from this. And also at that time, I was like, this is a direct result of burnout from corporate. Like this is my body is unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that kind of leads straight into the podcast. It really does. (laughs) And I, I don't know. I think you, your journey with quitting is so fascinating and so courageous and it it's just i don't know it's been interesting like knowing you like while this has happened and obviously i've gotten to know you so much better since we've been doing in this podcast but i don't know like the way that i know you now and to think like oh she was going to like be a ceo or something yeah like, i really that was like what i wanted and it's not that i yeah. don't i mean i don't think i want that but it's not like i don't think it's a bad idea for other yeah, people yeah 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 Totally. Um, and I don't, I do still like the idea of owning my own business. I just don't mm-hmm. want to force myself to do something that I don't really care about doing mm-hmm. just for the sake of having a job. Yeah. So, um, the other thing that's really funny to me is like, I fully appreciate that you say I'm courageous, but I feel like that's the absolute opposite of what I am because I'm terrified <laughs> about it all the time, which I guess not anymore. But like, I mean, for, let's see, that was, I quit in 2018. So it's been a long time, yeah. like all going on four years. And I feel like it's just in the last year that I fully accepted that it's okay that I don't have a job. Yeah. So for three years, I was just afraid of never being good enough or worthy or whatever because mm-hmm. that didn't work. Where do you think that comes from? When did you start to tie your self-worth to how much you're producing or how good you are at a job? It's kind of hard to quantify because I actually feel like our school system's set up that way. So it's like, yeah. you know, the better your grades are, the better student you are, the more praise you get, like awards and things in school. So, and I also identified pretty early on that it's it wasn't like very challenging for me to get good grades or like get praise in that way. So it was just like, oh, I'll perform, I'll do X, Y, and Z and like people will be happy about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I was in college, I didn't even really know what I wanted to do. I ended up in marketing because that was, it seemed like a creative business path that I could Mm -hmm. do a lot of various things with. I wouldn't have to like pigeonhole myself. Right. And then after graduation, I was just so, you know, bent on getting a job. Didn't really matter what job. And my career kind of was an accident. It wasn't like anything that I was like, really passionate about. I did. I love creative problem solving. So I don't know. I, I kind of stumbled into a career. I ended up being really good at it and liking it. And then it just fed that like, the better you are at it, the more praise and recognition and money mm-hmm. and status and all of those things that you get. And it was never I never stopped to think about it. Yeah. So yeah, that's really interesting. I was talking with my one of my sisters this past weekend. And I told her that we were going to do an episode on quitting and we were just kind of talking about that in terms of sports and like 
sports were very big in our family. Like we all played sports, multiple sports. Um, our dad was super into sports mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. We were just talking about how with our dad specifically, like he always came to our sporting events, mm-hmm. but like that was what he came to. Like that's what he showed up for. Yeah. And so there was so much tied in subconsciously with like, okay, well, if I don't do this sport anymore, he won't show up. He's, will he be here for me? Will he yeah. love me? Will we have a connection if it's not about sports? Oh, that's tough. Um, and yeah, definitely not anything we were thinking about like when we were younger by any means, but yeah, I don't know. Just it's hard not to make that like association in your subconscious. I'm sure you weren't even consciously thinking about it at all, but like, yeah, totally, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. It's quitting is such a a tough one. And I think like you were saying, like the perseverance and like we as a society, like value and buy into the like little engine that could. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, and that's, you know, it starts there with little kids. Like you just keep on chugging along. And just the other day when Taylor and I were on a hike and we were deciding whether or not to continue on up further to this other uh, location or whatever. And neither one of us really wanted to do it. We were both like pretty tired um, and we ended up not doing it. But we started talking about like sunk costs fallacy. Hmm. Um, and it's like the theory that once you put in like time and energy and money into something, we're less inclined to let it go. Even if it's like clear that it's not going to be successful yeah. It once you've committed something to it, it, it's that much harder to walk away from. Yeah. And I remember one time talking to my oldest sister Sarah when I was had been in this relationship for like 5 years and even though I didn't really think like they were the one or we were going to get married or anything like that, I at the time felt like yeah, but I've already committed so much of my life to this being in a relationship with this person. So Mm -hmm. like, it just feels like a waste. And she was just kind of like, yeah, I know that like five years feels like a really long time right now because you're only 21. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, it's not. And like better five than seven. Or even like, you're going to commit to like 50 more? Like what's the the option here? (laughs) Right. So Yeah. I don't know. It's Yeah, that's a that is a good point. I feel like the what you've put into something sometimes stops people. I don't feel like that's something that I personally struggle with. It's more of mm-hmm. like, well, what are the things that I am giving up that are quote unquote like valuable? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it sucks to put in a lot of work into something and then be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, oh, this just isn't working for whatever reason, yeah, you know, for sure. Are there any things that you have quit that you wish that you hadn't? I actually don't think so. And I know that that maybe is a little controversial, but I'm not a person that really has regrets about things. Like maybe I would have done things slightly differently mm-hmm. had I known. But like I'm, I also think like I couldn't have known without doing it, you know? Yeah. So in general, I don't have any regrets about anything I've quit. What about you? Um, the only one that really comes to mind is music. But I also like our parents made all of us take at least two years of music and I quit like three different instruments during that time. But then when <laughs> I was older, I was like, oh, man, I wish I could play the guitar. Or I wish I could play the piano super well. And I would be able to if I had stuck with it when I was eight. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And now I would be really great. But that being said, like I could absolutely right now, like go buy a guitar and go take lessons if I really wanted to. And I don't do that. So (laughs) yeah, that's a great example. I feel like that's the one that a lot of people are like, man, I really wish I'd stuck with that. Mm -hmm. And I love your parents approach with this. Honestly, it might be something that I steal for my personal parenting because Seb Mm -hmm. does he's plays piano and the drums and like, especially the piano, I feel like he's really benefited from. And mm-hmm. I love that he plays it too, because it's, yeah, it's nice to enjoy, you know? It is. Um, it's also really good for math. Interesting. Like music in general is, is like trains, I guess, like part of your brain that deals with math. Okay. Well, uh. that maybe explains why I was never able to pick up an instrument because <laughs> I'm also really bad at math. <laughs> Maybe Maybe that part of my brain is just like not naturally very developed, but Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to have to fact check myself on that one, but I've heard that several times before. 
Interesting. Well, yeah. So I like I think I think he's glad that he stuck with it or, or whatever. But mm-hmm. also, obviously, like you said, like you could pick it up now and it would be fine, but you're not committed yeah. to it. Also, I'm like, why put a kid through something that they very obviously don't want to do in some cases? Mm-hmm. Like, what is like, is the outcome worth it? I guess. Yeah. And I don't know the answer. I feel like it's a toss up. Because I feel like you could probably talk to people who are like, wow, I wanted to quit dance or I wanted to quit basketball so many times when I was little. And like, I'm so glad I didn't because now I'm a ballerina or like (laughs) whatever. Like, I'm sure that we could talk to people that are so thankful that they didn't quit or they were not allowed to quit something. Yeah. But I don't know like what percentage of people that is. Right. Yeah. Well, in general, I feel like with especially with things like that, when you're a kids, I feel like if you commit to a season, you commit. But mm-hmm. if you want to quit after the season's over, be my guest. That's how that's how our family was. My mom only ever let me quit one thing that I had started in the season, but it had just started. I'd gone to one dance recital or not, not recital, a dance practice. And I I started crying as soon as I got in there and I was like, I don't want to do this. And she was like, okay. She was like, listen, if you're going to be miserable, I'm not driving you around. <laughs> I'm not I don't want to do this either. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was the only time. Did your parents do that as well? Where if you had started something for a season, you had to stick with it? I'm going to be totally honest. I don't remember ever like being really miserable at something that I mm-hmm. like wanted to quit. I know that I quit horseback riding, but I think that was because I was like maybe getting to the age where I had to take it more seriously. And this happened with several things for Mm -hmm. me, like gymnastics. I like needed to take it more seriously and start competing and stuff. And like that wasn't something I was interested in. So then I switched to dance. So like, yeah, I don't think there was anything where I was like, I really don't want to do this. Can I quit? Okay. So either in thinking about things you've quit in the past or how you quit things now, how do you like handle your fear or like other emotions that come up with that? I love this question because I feel like knowing the answer to this is really helpful for quitting in the first place, Okay, which I do think, you know, it varies by person and you have to kind of find your own personal systems for quitting. But I'm a really big advocate of worst case scenario planning. I actually Mm. think this helps with anxiety, too. I might have talked about that. But there are – I feel like it's very helpful to think about, okay, if I did this thing, if I quit this thing, Mm -hmm. what's the worst-case scenario? And in that worst-case scenario, what would I do? And so I think when I was quitting corporate, it was like worst-case scenario is I, like, burn through all of our savings and we're, like, at the point where – I like we can't afford for me not to work anymore. And in that scenario, I would get a job anywhere. Like I would work fast food or like whatever it is. Yeah. And like at that point in time, first of all, I think it's helpful just to know, like just to know this is worst case scenario. But I also think it's helpful to be like, okay, what are the odds of this actually happening? Like pretty Mm -hmm. slim. So and I know what would happen. So now I feel covered. Like I feel like we're good. Yeah. And honestly, This method recently, Seb was like having some anxiety about something and he, which he, he almost never does, but he was like pretty panicked about something. And so I immediately pulled this out. I was like, okay, you're really worried about this. What's the worst case scenario? What would we do in this worst case scenario? And we went through it and like, I literally wrote out everything. And later after we had like processed everything, I was like, was that helpful? And he was like, yes, that was like literally what made me able to like move on and process the rest of it. It's like, great. That's wonderful. Yeah. So his like anxiety about it was like totally blocking. Yeah. He was just so he was spiraling so hard and like just in panic mode and he couldn't get out until we worked through it. Yeah. The other thing that has helped me specifically, this is obviously not for everybody, but human design, I feel like has helped me personally, except that I'm not really made to function in like mm-hmm. the stereotypical societally acceptable way. <laughs> so those like societal expectations tend to fuel my self-doubt and human design, I feel like makes me 
able to remind myself that it's okay that I like I'm different. Like it gives me a permission slip to not operate exactly the same way as everybody else. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's helpful too. I feel like self exploration in general, you can kind of sub in there. Yeah, for sure. What about you? Do you have any processes for handling fear when you quit? Um, this one is kind of interesting because I feel like in my childhood, I'm like, yeah, I've quit lots of things, but like big things that I've quit have been kind of few. Mm. Um, I feel like I'm in the exception, not the rule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. And what a four. Wow. Uh, (laughs) But I think one thing that helps me if I'm like thinking about quitting something, which quitting things is hard for me. Like I've talked about quitting my like part-time job a million times and I just like keep not doing it. Um, Do you want to quit it actively? (laughs) Sometimes. And then sometimes I'm like, well, I work so infrequently and I get to keep my discount. So like yeah, the discount's hard to give up. It's so hard. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever quit, but <laughs> I think sometimes I think about if I am going to quit something, even if it's like on a smaller scale, it's like quitting this thing doesn't mean I could like never have this again. Mm-hmm. Like if I quit it and then I did regret it, like you could just turn around and do it again. Cases, yeah, I could probably have it back. Yeah. Um, so I think the like letting go of this eye of like letting go of this idea of like permanent decisions, um, is can be helpful. Um, I like that. And when I think about it, if I'm like trying to calm my like anxiety over doing it of like letting people down or disappointing people, it's like, yeah, you know what? This might impact them, but this isn't going to be a life changing thing for these people that I work for or, Mm -hmm. or whatever. So I, I have to like put it down to size or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny too, because we're just showing our true colors here because it sounds like with quitting your biggest fear is disappointing people. And my biggest fear (laughs) is judgment, which is like the same as every other part of our lives. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) I think too, sometimes it's good to not use the word quit. Like if that scares you, like you're pivoting or you're making a shift. Like, I don't know, quitting has like such a negative connotation that goes along with it when it really isn't always a negative. I, I would say it's probably most of the time not negative. Yeah. Um, there was actually part of one of the quitted episodes. I think it's the one with Zach Anderson. At the end, they talk about, he's like, I feel like y'all shouldn't call it quitting. You should say stopping. Like I'm going to, I'm making the conscious decision to stop. And Mm -hmm. their point was we're trying to like rebrand the word quit. Like Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be rebrand. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't be a big deal. I think that's the same thing with a lot of like negatively charged words, especially in American Mm -hmm. culture. Like we talked about with bittersweet, the word loser, just because you lose that there's nothing inherently wrong with losing. Like we've projected onto that word that it's bad. Mm, Same yeah. thing with quitting. Like it's not inherently bad to quit something. It's just that American society has decided that quitting's like the end of the world. Right. That means you failed. They're synonymous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, even failure, it's like, okay, yeah, I failed and I learned a bunch of stuff so that next time if I do this same thing, I'll right. like be able to iterate on it. It's like right. just one data point. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's all like we're all just like putting meaning onto a word that like and deciding like what type of connotation it has. Yeah, when it could just be neutral. Yep. Okay, what what are some things you feel like you've learned through quitting? Oh, boy, so many things. (laughs) Okay, well, first of all, I often think about how in my quitting process, I sometimes feel like I'm just like learning how to be a human and like live Mm -hmm. the way that works for me. And Mm -hmm. I often hope that in doing that, I can like do the things that are hard that seem it's funny, too, because I I feel like when you say you quit, like, most people assume that's the easy route. But I actually Mm. think it's way harder. At least for me, like staying would have been easier than leaving. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I do hope that I can like kind of do the heavy lifting for people and be an example of people who are either wanting to go through the same type of transition or mm-hmm. in the middle of it. So um, I also think that the last few years have basically been one 
giant deconditioning process, unlearning all of the things that don't work for me that, you know, my childhood and society have told me that I should, you know, the ways that I should be or what I should want and like unlearning all of those things. Mm -hmm. One thing that did happen was that I ended up having to grieve that old identity of like being an achiever and come to terms with the idea of like who I am as a person who does not work. And I cannot tell you how much shame I had around telling people that I don't have a job. Like when you go to the doctor and they ask you what you do and you say, I don't work. And then they say, Mm. do you have kids? And I say, no, (laughs) like that's a really hard conversation for me to have. Yeah. Um, It's gotten a lot easier, but um, yeah, that's, I used to like, would like throw my nervous system into fight or flight, but now Mm. it's a lot easier for me. Yeah. And I think maybe the, one of the best learnings for me has been how to deal with uncertainty because there are very few situations I feel like in our lives where we just are like standing at the edge of a cliff and like, don't know what's next. But the other thing is that like certainty is never guaranteed to begin with. So I feel like we're all always a little bit in uncertainty, but I've just learned how to like deal with it and sit in uncertainty. Yeah. And that's been really, really helpful um, to not try to like, quote unquote, figure it out or like force myself into something. But I'm, you know, several years into this and my life hasn't crumbled. So <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's your success story. Right. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> you know, if you had told me when I quit corporate that I would still be somewhat aimless, I would have been like, that's my nightmare. I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, I do things that are satisfying to me and it looks different than I thought it would, but it's like, yeah, I can, yeah, echo all the things that, that you said. And like, I feel like quitting things helps you live without regret. Hopefully it helps you live more authentically. And I don't know every, what you were just saying about like grieving the life that maybe you thought you wanted is a big process to go through. But I think then too, it helps you to live your life like more presently and be more responsive to like what the things are that you're feeling and the things that you're being drawn to and all of that stuff. Because like ultimately that's going to be the things that you want to spend your time doing and not waste time doing something that you don't want to do just because you don't want to quit. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, I can... I can see that that version of me was like a lot of stuff that wasn't actually me. Like I feel a lot Mm -hmm. more like myself now than I did back then. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too about the uncertainty and like living in that liminal space is that you learn how to trust that it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And that is maybe like, I don't know, one of the most important lessons in my life. Like it's going to be fine no matter what. Yeah. Makes it easy to make big decisions and big changes in other parts of your life. Totally. Yeah. And just trust the process. Yep. It's all going to work out. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, now comes the time that we're going to quit this episode. So (laughs) we would love to hear from you about your journey with quitting, whatever macro or micro scale it might be on. You can email us at lightheartedpodcast at gmail.com. And follow along on Instagram at LikeHeartedPod. Talk to you in two weeks. See ya.